that's a lie. That's a false accusation. Clink, clink, clink. Here, my glass. Would any of you enablers like a, like a sip of my beverage? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome or welcome back to Soap Floor, the official gathering place for newbies, novices, and OG diehard fans of the golden age of primetime. I'm your host, Jet, viewing and reviewing the soapiest, studiest primetime storylines of the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. It is the episode I have been waiting on. I took a sneak peek at the synopsis. Season 3, episode 24 of Dallas is going to be so good. So whether you're new to this or true to this, sit back and enjoy. Tell the kids it's time to play outside or out of sight. Bay, seriously, no questions, suggestions, or concerns for the next 25 to 35 minutes. Everyone else in earshot, you know the drill. You got to be cool. You got to be quiet. Or you must get out because we've got to get to the bottom of this whole Amanda mystery. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is Soap Lore. Welcome back, party people, to another fun fold edition of Soap Lore. We are nearing the end. It's so close, I can taste it. Season 3, episode 24. I've been waiting a long time for this one, so I hope you're ready. We're going to go into every bit of this detail. I may or may not leave out just a little bit. I like to do that so you guys can enjoy it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. I'm your host, Jetta. You can call me Jet, and I am enjoying the luxury, the opulence, the campiness, the fun of vintage primetime soap operas. One episode at a time, one season at a time. This season happens to be season three. I'm comparing Dynasty to Dallas to Falcon Crest. We're comparing them episode by episode. I'm watching all three of the shows within the Amazon Prime app. Dallas and Falcon Crest, I'm watching on the freebie app within the Amazon Prime app. I do believe I paid for, and I know for a fact I paid for Dynasty, but it seems to be free again. So I will be catching up on season four also on Amazon Prime. But if not, I think it was like 22 bucks. It's not bad. It's been worth every penny. It has been so electric, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're discussing Dallas season three, episode 24, one I've been waiting on ever since I found out that Jock had a first wife. It's time to bring her up to the forefront. I'm hoping she's as cuckoo as can be. Maybe, maybe not considering they're bringing her out at the end of the season. But that's, we all know, hey, sometimes you just got to let things build up. Sometimes you got to introduce a thought and then leave it alone for 18 episodes. And we'll circle back to it. Let's read the synopsis, shall we? With most of the family visiting Jock's first wife in a Colorado sanitarium, JR uses the time to set up an even bigger oil deal with the now profitable Asian Wells. Sounds delightful. Consider the following. We have been comparing each show episode by episode. That's no longer possible. So what we're going to do is this. Dynasty only has 24 episodes. So we finished off with 23 last week. Dynasty will pick up. We're going to, I'm still going to compare their final episodes. This week, I'm only comparing Dallas and Falcon Crest because they have an episode 24. Falcon Crest has up to 28 episodes. So I just misspoke. Dallas has 25 episodes. So Dynasty's 24 will go up against Dallas's 25 also going up against Falcon Crest episode 28. This week, it's just going to be the episode 24 for Dallas and Falcon Crest. I hope that makes sense. If not, um, you, whatever. I know it makes sense. You guys are smart. Go back and listen to a couple episodes or better yet, jump on Amazon 
or Apple TV, I do believe they're on there, and watch all three for yourselves. Come back and compare. And let I, I would love to know what you guys think about this. Okay. We're going to meet Jock's first wife. I can hardly wait. I think I'm just going to blast through this one time, take a few notes, come back and give you the blow by blow. I like to leave a little bit out generally. I like to do that because if you're going to watch it in real time, I want you to be able to experience some things for the first time or experience them again. This podcast is for TV loving kids, millennials, zillennials, exes who didn't get to watch this in real time are now reliving it. Or if you were an OG fan back in the day and you hadn't watched it in a few decades, it's time to do it again. Now is the time. All right, enough of my jaw jacking. Let's jump into season three, episode 24 of Dallas called, oh, what is this one called? Hold on. It doesn't say, hold on. Talk quietly amongst yourselves. Okay, here we go. It's called The Wheeler Dealer. The Wheeler Dealer. I've heard the phrase wheeling and dealing, but never the Wheeler Dealer. That's interesting. Hopefully. Okay, I've just completed this episode and I have to say, I love it when they bring out Ellie and humanize her. I love it when she's not fawning over Jock. She's not running around depressed. I like when they bring her out. This has been a very good episode pertaining to the wives. I'm going to call this from the first wives club, something to that effect, because you get to see kind of the nuances of them dealing with reality. It would seem as the episode opens that Ellie has had a change of heart. Fresh off of Jock's trial, you know, he's not going to prison. Turns out he's not a male derail. Turns out Digger Barnes was. She's probably sitting there thinking to herself like, dang, this dude really went through it. He's been through the ringer. He's lived a life. He's lived a rough life. Then he just died a drunk and alone. Kind of sucks. Maybe I should take it a little easier on Jock since he's the only guy alive. Now, I have thought this for quite a while. I don't know if I've ever expressed it on the show, but it feels like Ellie has kind of enjoyed the fact that Digger Barnes has been pining over her quietly for 40 plus years. With him being dead and all now, she's like, dang, she's like she's having a, th- a change of heart or this awakening. Suddenly remembering Jock has a wife locked up in a sanitarium, probably doesn't know he has a life outside of her. You know what I'm saying? So she's thinking, dang, Digger pined for me for 40 years. That has to suck. This woman's probably feeling the exact same way about Jock. Maybe we should pay her a little respect and go visit her. Sounds like an okay enough idea. I do just kind of question like what she would gain from that other than peace of mind. Maybe she can go to her own grave, not feeling so guilty. Doesn't really matter. They agree. They're all lovey-dovey or whatever. Jock is quite literally spit shining his own boots. I've never seen someone spit and wipe the cloth off their $3,000 boots, but that's what he's doing. So JR comes up to him and he's like, look, daddy, look. He brings the receipts of the Asian oil wells that he almost pawned the house to get. Those are paid in full and Jock is kind of scrutinizing it like, okay, did Bobby see this? JR, he's hurt, but rightfully so. Everyone in the house knows you're a scumbag. You just happen to be really good at what you do. So it's like, okay, great. That's great, JR. We're going to move on with our lives. Now, I hadn't forgotten with the, with the whole episode 23, which is so exciting. So much happened. So many reveals. I hadn't forgotten that Pam realized that Digger Barnes wasn't her dad, but I did kind of forget that she was catatonic at the end. Seems like she's taken a couple days off. She wants to get her mind right. After all, she doesn't know who she is anymore. She thought she was a daughter of a drunkard, but it turns out she's the daughter of a guy with, who got beat up two times in one night and then killed. This dude has no reaction time. 
absolutely no self-defense skills. Hopefully she fares better. But she's struggling with that. You know, the family likes to have their pre and post dinner cocktails. So she's sitting there minding her own business. Meanwhile, my girl Sue Ellen has been reduced back to sneaking around drinking booze, which luckily for her, she lives in a house filled with uh, little trays and carts of alcohol at every corner. So before the family retires from the evening from the dinner table, she has a couple gluck, 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 gluck. Oh crap, here they come. Puts a few ice cubes in the glass, opens a bottle of sparkling water, pours it over like nothing happened. This scene is important because you start to notice that Jr. is poking the bear for no reason. He's got a real slick mouth and it's about to get him in a lot of trouble. So the family gathers in the parlor for their post-dinner beverages. Ellie notices that Sue Ellen hadn't had much to eat. So she's like, would you like Teresa to make you a little meal? I looked up something on the actress who plays Ellie and it makes sense now why she sounds like that. I guess she's from New England. Now, I love the accent. I don't hear it as strong, but it just it stands out particularly in this cast because everyone is has adopted either just the standard American accent or have or they have a little bit of twang to it. And hers just it's so different. But OK, I like it now that I understand where it's coming from. Anyhow, Ellie's like, would you like something to eat, Sue Ellen? She tells him, no, 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 no. JR immediately points out, well, it's probably because she's full on booze. That's all she does is drink. So she gets her nutrients apparently from Jack or Jose or whoever she's drinking from. Sue Ellen's like, that's a lie. That's a false accusation. Clink, clink, clink. Here, my glass. Would any of you enablers like a, like a sip of my beverage just to prove that I'm not over here drunk? And Ellie's like, absolutely not. You don't need to do that. You don't need to prove anything. And JR's like, well, I mean, that doesn't that doesn't mean that she didn't drink before we got here. Hate to admit it, he's actually right, but it doesn't matter. Bobby's tired of hearing this. And he's like, could you stop picking on your wife? JR tells him, well, why don't you mind your business and you handle your own wife? After all, her mother's a whore. Her drunk dad's not her dad. The other dude was a saddle guy. Like, I forgot what he calls him. Doesn't really matter. Whatever he says, it pisses off Bobby. So he jumps up. And while JR is still running his very slick mouth, he sucker punches him, drops him like a sheep suit, folds him like a chair. Jock intervenes. Sue Ellen is just gleefully like, oh my God, this is the best moment of the night. Because <laughs> JR is sitting in the chair, like trying to catch his breath. And Pam's like, damn, I was just, I was simply sitting here minding my own business. It's a low blow. She has two dead dads and a dead mom. Like the least he can just leave her out of it. She was bothering absolutely nobody. This isn't the first. And well, this is the first drink we see Sue Ellen have. It's not the last we see this episode. She takes it upon herself to go back to her doctor. And at this point, she's like, I have nothing else to do. I've done all I can do. I've run away. I've come back. My lover's dead. I'm just, I'm screwed. So I might as well become the drunk that JR thinks I am. At least then I'll, I can numb some of this pain. But the doctor tries to me, myself, and I her. Like, this is years before Beyonce made the song, but he's like, listen, you've got girl power. You've got the power of your mind. The more you know, the more you grow. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? Every logo and slogan we watched as kids was was basically sprinkled on her. And she's like, doc. Please shut up and take my money. Please just stop. I'm going to continue to drink. As a matter of fact, probably going to leave here and have a little something to sip on. And she does just that. She goes to a bar with a neon sign that says cocktails and she has herself a few. 
Now, a little later on, she's going to go back to the same place where we are going to catch a surprise. I had to watch it again. I had to run over it one more time. And I'm starting to see such a strong connection between Dynasty and this show. Hollywood's clearly a small town. They're recycling actors, but baby. Anyway, we'll get to that. Season three. Season three. Season three has been very, very interesting. Anyway, after JR got punched in the stomach in front of God and everybody at his house, you know, he needs to feel like a man again. What makes him feel like a man? A woman. Well, he's tired of Kristen, so he goes to his other hooker's house. But of course, she's busy. She has a client. He wanted to keep it, you know, business. She's like, hey, I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of a shift. What do you want from me? So he leaves and he goes to Kristen's house. Now, she's petty. She's pissed. She's in a pink gown. She's waiting for him, demanding to be his wife. He simply starts disrobing and throwing the garments at her. She swears up and down she's never going to be with him again until he marries her. This is such a weird concept to me. This is a very bright girl. Very bright indeed. She's bore witness. I don't know why I'm speaking like this today, but she bore witness to her husband, her sister's marriage. And she seems to think it's Sue Ellen's fault. She's somehow miraculously fallen in love with this man and really believes that he's going to marry her. He, she really believes it. But of course, he doesn't care. He can barely stand to look at her. She's not working in his office anymore because he doesn't want her around. And now she's she's basically begging to marry him. He snatches her on the bed and he's like, well, whoop -whoop, we're going to do exactly what I want to do. Okay, so the remainder of this episode revolves around three things. It revolves around Pam kind of coming, coming to terms that Digger Barnes is dead. He's not her father. And as far as she can tell, nobody knows anything about her mom. She asks her Aunt Maggie. Aunt Maggie invites her and Cliff over to her house. Remember, Aunt Maggie was at, she was in one of the first two or three episodes. I feel like she was in season one a couple times. But we hadn't seen her since. She was at Digger's funeral. And she she brings Cliff and Pam over, obviously, to go through his belongings. She remembered he had a couple of trunks up in the attic. And she hap- she happened to, the way those trunks ended up in her attic goes a little something like this let's wind it back to 40 years ago when ellie was apparently the jewel of north texas every man wanted to marry her specifically digger barnes and jock ewing after jock and ellie got married digger was so depressed that he ran off maggie hadn't seen him for months suddenly he calls and he tells her listen i got married this is becky aka rebecca I guess, you know, they move again. They move to Corpus or whatnot. And next thing Maggie knows, Digger shows up on her porch with Pam as a baby and Cliff as a baby. Like, hey, Becky's dead. I got these two kid, two trunks. Would you keep all of them while I go drink? And she's like, fine, go do what you do. And she raises him. So Pam's like, well, what do you remember about my mom? She's like, not nothing really. Like he just kind of showed up with her. I thought she was a rebound at first, but it seems like he loved her, but I don't really know much about her, baby. She was here and she was gone before we knew it. So Pam's looking through everything. They're looking, her, she and Cliff are basically looking for like a death certificate or some proof that this woman existed and now no longer exists. But Cliff, he happens upon this stained piece of white paper. It looks kind of nondescript. I thought maybe it was a map or something. Turns out to be an important piece of paper. He tucks it in his back pocket. Pam is still shuffling through stuff, just hoping, hoping that it'll reveal something about her mama, right? In the meantime, in between time, 
Pam confides in Ellie. So she's like, Ellie, you knew my dad. Do you remember my mom? And even Ellie's like, well, no, not really. Like I knew that he was married, but I don't really know much about her. She was a lovely woman. That's all I really remember. I didn't really see her that many times. So nobody's really put a lot of eyes on her. Nobody remembers anything, even though she used to live down the road. So Pam's like, mom, I think I'm going to go to Corpus and look into this a little bit more. Because her Aunt Maggie thought maybe she was from Oklahoma or Tennessee, but Ellie seemed to think, I don't remember, I know something about Corpus. So Pam's like, I'm going to go to Corpus and investigate for myself. Only Ellie's like, no, 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 I want you and Bobby to go with Jock and I to Denver so that we can visit Melissa, Jock's first wife. I think it's funny that she picked... (laughs) Actually, no, it's not funny. It's brilliant that she picked Bobby and Pam because everybody else is going to embarrass the hell out of her. She can't call Gary and Valvoline because God knows what they're doing in California and he can't handle anything. JR is a complete and total disgrace. I don't care what anybody says. Ellie can't stand him for real, for real. But Pam and Bobby, they need to go. I thought this was kind of insensitive, though. Pam is really reeling. She just lost her dad. She needs to find her mother. Melissa is absolutely no one to her. No disrespect. But she has bigger fish to fry. They they agree to take the trip. They end up going to Denver. And this was such a heartbreaking scene. It's this beautiful grounds. Melissa, you know what it looked like? It looked a whole lot like the hospital that Steven came out of on Dynasty. I see a lot of similarities between the show. So the nurse is there and she's telling Jock, like Jock, Ellie, Pam and Bobby are all waiting quietly on the grass while the nurse goes to, um, you know, she, she goes over to Jock and says, she's super excited to see you. I told her you were coming. Let, let, let's go, you know, basically let's let him be the first person she sees, which is appropriate. Well, Melissa is this adorable older or Amanda. Why am I still calling her Melissa? Amanda is this adorable older woman and she's dressed up, you know, she's ready. She's nervous. She's anticipating her love. The love of her life is coming to see her. She got all dressed up or gussied up. Turns around and she sees this grizzly old man like, oh, oh, hi, who are you? Like, it's me. It's me. She's like, me who? Who are you? It's me, Jock. She's like, um, no. Jock, my Jock doesn't look like that. I'm sorry. I don't know who you are. So Ellie sees this and she's like, oh, shit crap this isn't going the way I thought it was gonna go I thought it'd be a whole lot smoother so she goes over in her fur which I thought that's really petty do you really need to visit a woman in a sanitarium whose husband you married essentially do you really need to show up in your finest fur she girl stop it Ellie Ellie is a petty old broad so they go over she goes over and she's like hi I'm Ellie Ewing And I don't know if Amanda's thinking like, okay, are you his sister or whatever? But it doesn't matter because now that Ellie and her giant bear fur coat have moved, Amanda can see Bobby and she's like, oh, thank God, Jock, it's you. And she runs across the driveway and she she hugs him. Pam is classy enough to step aside because she knows this woman needs this. And she wraps her arm around him. Oh, Jock, I didn't think you'd come. How long has it been? Six months. And all I can think is you miserable bastard. This woman has been locked up for 40 years and he he admitted when he was spit shining his shoes on the porch that he used to lie to sneak away to see her but then he couldn't get creative anymore and he couldn't think of ways to sneak away so he just stopped she hadn't seen the man in three decades she only believes it's been six months so she's hugging bobby and she's like are you 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 have to leave again don't you and he's sweet enough to play along and all i'm thinking this whole time is this thing sweet jock you are just 
trash. Finally, you know, she's like, I love you. I'm so sorry that I'm such a burden to you. I'm so, so sorry. I love you so, so much. So she gets to say her goodbye, at least then. I hope they don't get rid of her. I would love for her to just <laughs> pull a, a Julia and, and sneak out. But she she doesn't seem like she would. She seems to not know where she is. So soap operas are like a whodunit movie. You don't bring up someone for no reason. She's bound to turn up here sooner rather than later. But that's it. That's all for her. By the time Pam gets back to Dallas... Cliff has been blowing up her telephone all day, so she rushes over. She's thinking that he's going to tell her something about their mom. Bobby believes that he's going to tell her something about business. Bob seems to be right this time because that piece of paper that Cliff has stuffed into his pocket turned out to be a legitimate contract. Seems as if, in one of his drunken benders, Digger Barnes had the forethought to write out a contract about Ewing uh, one of their one of their oil leases, number twenty three, saying that they would get like half. The Ewings would get half, and the Barneses would get half in perpetuity. Cliff took this time to go down and make sure that the the signatures were valid, and apparently they were. So he's all giddy, and Pam's like, "Well, who cares about that? What does that have to do with anything?" Cliff goes, "Don't you see? Your husband opened up lease whatever number twenty three last month." So it makes about half a million dollars a year. So we're going to get paid. They're, they stand to gain about 250K a year. Now, does she need it? She gets it regardless. But Cliff is, it, it's like they're, you realize at that moment that they're focusing on different parts of Digger's death. Digger's death has torn away Pam's identity. So she's questioning who she is. She still loves her dad. She still knows she's Cliff's sister. She, you know, she wants to know her mom. She just feels like a super duper orphan because the man she thought was her dad is not. Cliff doesn't remember their mother very much. She doesn't remember their mother at all. So she needs to find, you know, she's grasping for something to Who am I? Who am I? Where do I belong? Who do I belong to? While Cliff is dealing with the fact that my dad died a drunk and a loser and without a penny to his name, I got to make sure that his life, not only that... I kept my word to him that I was going to make the the Ewings pay. But I think, I think for Cliff, it's a little bit deeper than that. When they were in Maggie's attic, ruffling through his, his crap, Digger's crap, Cliff made the comment that in all this crap and this, there's just nothing was worth anything. I think for him, it's like my dad could not have just totally died in vain. I'm going to avenge his death, but I have to know that all his work was not for nothing. He actually did one thing right one time and it's going to change our lives. That's what it seems like. Cliff has been, Cliff's whole identity is wrapped up in not being Digger Barnes. Pam's whole identity was wrapped up in loving him, but not being like him. But now it's like, I'm not even his daughter. So what do I do? Remember the bar with the cocktail sign in the window? Sue Ellen loves that bar. That is a place to be. She puts on her finest fur. And she heads on down there and she starts drinking and drinking and drinking. She's drinking so much that she gets the, it gets a little bit blurry eyed. She can't tell what she's looking at. She looks over and <gasps> Dusty, Dusty, you're back from the dead. Only Dusty is guess who? Guess. No, no. It's Mark Mother Loving Jennings from Dynasty. Isn't it interesting that season three on both shows, he shows up. Mark Jennings is clean shaving with his, I didn't notice that he had the AC Slater dimples, but 
Maybe I have noticed. Okay, so he has a Burt Reynolds stash on Dynasty. On Dallas, he's totally clean shaven. He's in cowboy garb. And he's a cutie. And he does kind of look like Dusty. So she's like, oh, Dusty, baby. So she's sitting down having gluck, 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 gluck. Give us another one, bartender. Gluck, 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 gluck. She's tossing them back. She's a tank. She is a frat boy on spring break. The bartender is so fed up with this. He's like, oh, my God. He quietly and quite loudly leans over the bar with the telephone. And he's like, hey, he calls Bobby. Hey, you need to come down here and get Sue Ellen. I think something's about to go down. Well, lucky he did because the cowboy fraternity shows up. She's surrounded by one, two, three, four, five cowboys. And she's giggling and sniggling because she thinks she's found her back from the dead love. So once they can tell that she's sloppy, she can't even stand up. They want to take her somewhere. We're going to have a big party. We all know what party means. These animals. Luckily for Sue Ellen, Bobby shows up with Ray in tow. And you know, Ray likes a good fist fight. It is a perfect opportunity for him to reveal his chest hairs and God knows whatever else he wants to. His baby oil, his slickery. It's about to go down. So there is a bar fight in Ray and in, what's his name? Bobby are good at bar fights, apparently. They beat down five dudes. This was a rough one, though. You know, the extras usually get out of the way. They were pushing people into girls. They were slamming into bars. Now, the punches weren't landing, but the the scuffle and tuffle, very realistic people. Lovely. Beautiful scene. She is saved. They drag her back in the house. And she's slurring. She's a mess. She's a mess. She was on a beautiful, light, silvery blue fur coat in the middle of Dallas, in the middle of the day. I've decided to leave out every bit about JR. It's good. It's great. It is scandalous. And the wheeling, dealing, wheeler, dealer, whatever comes into play. That's it. That's all for this episode. Wonderful. Very interesting. The women are reeling. The women are trying to figure out once again who they are, who they belong to, and how to fit in. I also left out a large chunk about bad girl Kristen. Kristen got in her bag this episode. She understood the assignment. She wanted to come through for JR. Wink, wink. Join me next time as we review season three, episode 24 of Falcon Crest. In the meantime, in between time, take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself because you deserve it. Stay moisturized, stay hydrated, mind your own business, and keep all your drama on TV. Bye.